0: Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. We can collectively heave a huge sigh of relief. Spring is here! Gardens up and down the UK are revealing glimpses of the season to come and this gentle crescendo of colour will only get better as the weeks and months pass by.
1: Snowdrops, aconites, cyclamen and hellebores will gradually give way to irises, crocuses, daffodils and fritillaries. These displays, whilst diminutive in stature, are brazen in colour. And let's not forget the more sizable camellias, azaleas and rhododendrons, along with porcythias, chenomalies, wisteria, cherries, lilacs and a plethora of other less mainstream plants. As spring unfurls, we're in for a guaranteed sensory bombardment.
0: Discussions about all these plants and many more on the cards. Join us now as we transport you into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener.
1: So welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Lucy Chamberlain. But sadly, not him, Saul Walker. Poor Saul is actually laid up at the moment in a lot of pain. So send him your warm wishes. He's cricked his back. I don't know how. I haven't spoken to him a lot about it. I've just exchanged a few text messages. But the poor guy's been laid out, very bad back. And um, I wish for him to have a very speedy recovery, uh, and I hope he's not in too much pain. And maybe if you're so inclined, you could send him some good wishes. When I was editing Grow Your Own magazine, I sat next to the lovely ladies on the editorial team of Soul and Spirit magazine. Uh, there's such a thing as cosmic ordering, apparently. So if any of you have got any skills about how to cosmic order soars back, back into alignment, then uh, apply those skills right now. And I'd be very grateful. In the meantime... I thought I would walk you around my kitchen garden at home, the 40 by 40 foot space that I pour all my hours of labour and love into. Very much enjoy this space. You might hear there's some gravel under my foot. I should try and pick up that sound for you right now. There you go. Can't get better than that. That's a bit of authentic gravel walking in the fingeringhoe hoe area. So... That's that done. I'm walking around the kitchen garden and I thought I'd give you a very quick tour because things are moving. Things are bursting. Buds are breaking. Flowers are blossoming. I've been sowing. Um, I've been transplanting. There's a lot going on. And yeah, we've got this chilly spell upon us at the moment. I'm recording this on a Wednesday and tonight it's due in cultures to go down to about one degree. Maybe some uh, predictions are saying it's going to go into minus numbers. So... I will be talking about how I'm going to prepare my plants for these next few nights. By the time this goes out, we'll have had the cold snap and we'll be wondering what all the fuss was about. But for the moment, I'm a little bit twitchy for my uh, my blossom. So I'll talk about that. Where's a good place to start? Well, actually, if you are following me on Twitter, uh, oh, and Instagram, actually. I think I put this on Instagram too. You'll know that I have repositioned my asparagus. Because it was in a border that was edged by uh, what we call our woodland garden, very grandly. It's not really, it's just got a few bluebells and bits and bobs in it, but it sounds good, doesn't it? Um, So our woodland garden has got ground elder in it. And in the perennial veg border, which edges this woodland bed, the ground elder was coming through. I had put a barrier to the back of the perennial veg border, uh, two layers of weatherboarding. Uh, so we've got a barrier vertically about 60 centimetres deep, but the ground elder's popped over the top. So I need to amend my um, defences against ground elder. But in the meantime, it was obvious to me that the asparagus bed and the rhubarb, which is what's in those perennial veg beds, was in the wrong place. Because if I want to try to control the ground elder, I can't dig over the bed because the asparagus and rhubarb wouldn't like it. So what I've decided to do is actually move the asparagus and later the rhubarb to a different area so then it means that 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 bed that's edging the woodland garden we can go through it with a fine tooth comb every winter and get out all the strands of ground elder that we need to and it's much more sustainable as a, a growing area in that way so so yeah I'm looking at the moment of my gooseberries that are just leafing up my lovely fan train gooseberries and in front of them now are about 20 crowns of uh, asparagus I hope they've move successfully i'm not going to crop them too heavily this year if at all i'll see what the size of the spears are as they come through and take my decision from there but it's a lovely wall it's you know sort of not full sun but it's not deep shade it gets sun for half the day and then a bit of shade in the afternoon so the asparagus should be happy and it keeps the gooseberries roots cool as well so that's something i've had to do this year now talking of fruit blossom i've got two new cordon pears either side of my archway, I've got a, a doy on one side and a beth on the other. Now those pears are alarmingly loosely in bud, so they were tight in bud, and now I can actually see the colour of the flowers, the white petals poking through, so what I'll be doing tonight is getting out my trusty bubble plastic and actually wrapping these poor pears up, because although the pears are fully hardy, the flowers are sensitive to frost, so if you get a cold spell And as I say, one is forecast for tonight. Then these pear flowers could get damaged to the point of being killed off. And then I have no pear fruits for the year. And that is something I don't want to be contemplating at all. So that's a project for this evening. And simultaneously, I have four cherries in pots. And one of those is actually starting to break open in bud at the moment. So all these pots are going to be moved into our greenhouse overnight. And probably for the next two or three nights until this cold snap Goes away. Now I've got a quandary. My blueberries and my gooseberries are just starting to flower. I know they're really hardy. Now, are those flowers going to be okay or not? I will let you know what I decide. I'm either going to have to cloak the whole lot in some bubble wrap or some old blankets, or I take my chances. I, I'm tempted to use the blankets because one night of forgetfulness and, and overconfidence can undo a whole year's worth of growth. So I probably will cover those over too, but it's an awful lot of work. So we'll see how we go. Walking down the path, I very uh, excitedly, and I think many of us did this, when we had about a fortnight ago, some lovely, lovely hot days, way into the 20s in some parts of the UK, uh, I planted out my spinach under some glass cloches. So this is annual spinach. I grow a variety called Amazon, which is so prolific. It's wonderful, and I love buttery texture of annual spinach i do grow the perennial spinach because it's such a good doer it just crops its socks off but the leaves are they're very palatable don't get me wrong but they're not quite as soft and buttery as the annual spinach so i have eagerly planted out four cloches worth of my annual spinach it's about 40 plants here They're all spaced out they're on the under glass cloches so they've got a lot of protection from Um, the cold glass is a very insulating material compared to say polythene or bubble wrap or something like that and what we've done temporarily again for these cold nights i just covered the whole lot over with an old dust sheet or two i think we've got two here and the spinach is hardy but they were young plants that were in the greenhouse and i've only just hardened them off so just a little bit of protection just to nurture them through (laughs) if you look out of our neighbors looking out of their bedroom window Onto our garden, we'll see a beautiful floral um, bedsheet laid over my spinach at the moment. So I'm not quite sure if they think that's attractive or not. <laughs> I'll ask them when I see them later. And I'm going to just rummage. You might hear some wonderful sound effects now. Ah, right, now what I've done, I have just buried my head under my cover for my fan trained peach. I've got this peach Rochester, and oh my goodness, it is such a good doer. It's trained as a fan, it's against two fence panels. It's covered in blossom and the covers, as well as at the moment protecting the peach from the chills because, again, the blossom could be damaged by this frost. It's also a control method against peach leaf curl. If you keep this peach or uh, also nectarines are prone to peach leaf curl and almonds as well, not so much apricots, but peaches and nectarines especially, if you can keep their tree dry from January through till maybe going into mid-April when the leaves are fully emerged and slightly toughened up, then because the plant is dry, the peach leaf curl spores, if if they're present on the stems and the bark, they can't germinate because they need moisture to germinate. So it's such a simple control method and it works 100%. So I will just replace the cover. It's not an attractive cover. It's bright green. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to find a lovely piece of clear polythene. Uh, we get about maybe three, four years of use out of these these covers because inevitably they get rips and tears in them, or something like Storm Dudley comes along and rips them to pieces. This one's just about got a little bit of life in it for this year, but next year I'll try and get a nice clear cover because it is an eyesore, <laughs> although it's doing a practical job. My vanity's getting in the way of me there. So the peaches are on against the south facing wall of my little garden here, and just stepping to the side of it. I'm looking at my lovely Celeste Cherry, which is a lovely established fan now, about four or five years old. It is, fingers and legs crossed, it is smothered in blossom, guys. It's looking really rather voluptuous in the blossom department. So I'm very much hoping that that gives me fruit this year. I do find cherries hit or miss. We've got some at the hall, which are, um, again, sort of loosely fan-trained, and some of them crop abundantly. And others are a bit shy. Now, obviously, a lot of cherries these days are self-fertile, but I still feel that even the self-fertile ones benefit so much more from a little bit of cross-pollination from another variety. I've only got Celeste in my garden here, plus a very young sunburst cherry, which is in a, in a pot. I'm hoping that there's enough cross-pollination there. Like I said, they are, in that sense, self-fertile, but um, by having a bit of cross-pollination, I'm hoping I will get a really decent cherry crop this year fingers and legs crossed walking along from there i've got some globe artichokes again this is a very sunny bank here um, very dry soil so as i say the peaches love it the cherries love it because these sugar-packed fruits really like the sunshine to get those sugar levels up Uh, the globe artichokes are very happy in dry soil i've already sown some regretti and purslane to go in this border as well because they are very happy in a, a dry position so if you've got a dry or free-draining area, and you want to grow some veggies, I would definitely recommend Globe Artichokes, Agretti, and Summer Purslane. I'm looking at a green gauge here. This is my Denison Superb. I had a tree here which sadly died about four years in through bacterial canker. I've planted this new one here. It's now two years old. It's a young fan, and it's got some blossom. So again, I will be covering that up tonight, and fingers and legs crossed, to get some lovely fruits. This Denison Superb. Superb. It's easy for me to say. Denison Superb. Has um, big green green gauge style fruits on them, and they ripen to a kind of almost yellow, and the flavour is really very very nice. So again, still just looking at the sunny side of my garden here. I've put in uh, in the autumn some Aqueduct Claudia broad beans. They are now flowering. They're not as tall as they are in most years, and do you know what? It, because of Storm Dudley and Storm Eunice moving through, I lost. Quite a few of my broad beans to the wind wind rock broad beans um, sown in the autumn uh, on my f- sort of sandy free draining soil can be quite successful, and I do it every year, and normally I have great results this year because of the wind rock. The plants now aren't really sort of supporting themselves they're not stretching up with the height, normally the gets to a good metre high at least if not more. These plants are still flowering really well, but they 've just not got the height because they're scattered there's a few gaps in the bed, and I think it's because they're plants naturally if you know if they're planted in the grid fashion they will draw each other up yeah they're lacking in height but not in flowering capacities so still hoping for some beans oh then i've got my favorite broad bean demonica uh, which is a, a spring sowing and it often crops maybe a week or so behind that goduchi so if you don't like doing autumn sowings of broad beans for example if you've got a heavy soil or if you just find that they rot, if you're in an area where you're inland and you get really harsh frosts, for example, they might not make it through the winter. So uh, sowing of demonica under glass in February and then transplant them out during March will give you a really early broad bean harvest. So that's a, a top tip for me. I'm just going to go past my tulip beds. They're looking rather lovely. The box plants, uh, you may remember if you're regular listeners to the podcast, they had they had... A bad attack of box moth last year. Now, the box moth caterpillars will be overwintering on these plants. I have got some control methods up my sleeve, so I'll be talking about those in later episodes of the podcast. For now, I'm looking at them. Their green buds are bursting forth. They were almost defoliated last year, so they're looking a bit thin, but the new growth is looking very promising. And as I say, I'll report back later on my box moth controls. I've got some blueberries in pots alongside the blueberry bed. Uh, This is going to the shadier side of the garden now, although it still gets a good, you know, half day sun. So the blueberries are full, absolutely full of blossom. And as I say, I might need to protect those tonight. Alongside those are my summer raspberries, all tied in, looking rather lovely, all budding up now, nice and green. My autumns are just starting to burst through as well. So things are looking very promising in my raspberry department. I've got troughs of strawberries, some outside. I'll talk to you about the ones in the greenhouse in a moment because they are really doing something exciting and then against one of the north walls here so it is more shade i've got a black that's splayed out it's just starting to come into growth normally with black currants you're meant to prune them back really hard but i'm experimenting with this one and tying it in as a fan now the idea with black currants is they crop really well on wood that's one and two years old and then as it gets older the vigor of the wood and the cropping capacity dwindles so the theory is that actually you prune black plants quite hard, taking out a lot of wood each year to encourage that new one and two year old wood to come forward. In this plant, I've tied in some stems that probably now are well into their fourth year. I want to see if they're going to crop well. It's just an experiment. You know, sometimes we read these things in the books and we see the plants respond to how we think they're going to. And you think, Do you know what? I'm just going to push it a bit and see what I can discover, see what I can get away with. So... It basically means that I can keep it tied in against the wall. That's why I'm doing it, because it's a lovely fan shape at the moment. And if it was just pruned hard each year, I'd be making work for myself. It would push out, uh, and I'd be forever tying things in. This, because it's an older plant, and it's got more established stems, I can tie them into the wall, space them out nicely. It looks really lovely. Uh, Whether it gives me a good crop or not, time will tell, and I will obviously report back. So I'm just going to walk into my greenhouse, which is my... we've been spending a lot of time lately... I've had the odd beer in here with my husband the past few nights. (laughs) It's been very pleasant. I can thoroughly recommend the greenhouse as a social space as well as a practical utility area. Oh, it's lovely and warm in here. It's been a bit chilly of late, as I say, and it's, what are we on, thermometer? Let's just reset you. We've we've got a bee keeping us company here, so if you hear some buzzing, it's not me, it's the bee. Oh, 25.3 degrees at the moment, that's rather pleasant. And um, this is my lovely cedar greenhouse that's now and it's is it three years old it might even be longer than that but it's uh oh it's such a heavenly place if you're lucky enough to have room for a greenhouse in your garden it doesn't need to be a flashy cedar one like this one uh, any greenhouse is just such a great area for growing stuff getting a head start on the season when all outside you're still a bit grim and a bit cold and damp and you can just uh come out here sow potter cogitate a beer of an evening <laughs> whatever you might. a cup of tea we've had many breakfasts in here and elevenses and all sorts of stuff so yeah I do love my greenhouse I've got a heat source in here I've got uh how many plug sockets so we've got four plug sockets they're all being actively used at the moment uh, I've got a propagator on the go and a couple of heat mats I really like heat mats because Some of my pots are quite big or quite irregular shapes and actually it's quite good also having the heat source at the bottom and then the top growth is allowed to just acclimatise to the air. Propagators, uh, if you need to keep the lid on, plants can get a little bit lush and a bit stretched and a bit almost too soft and then the transition for them to go from indoor life to outdoor life can be a little bit tricky. So I do I have my heat mats and a closed case propagator. So in the propagator, I'm looking at things I've sown really early, such as parsley, (laughs) celeriac, celery, and of course chili peppers, which are notorious for requiring a long growing season. Uh, I've also got some tomatoes. I've sown my greenhouse tomatoes. For in here, they're looking a couple of inches high now, and actually some tomatoes I sowed way back in. What's the label say? 16th of February. I do now grow some called Lizetto uh, and there's many of these dwarf varieties available. I love Lizetto, it tastes really nice, it's just a tiny little red cherry tom. I grow it in hanging baskets and I actually hang them from the eaves of the greenhouse. The great thing about this is that they don't take up any floor space, you don't need to worry about them going outside because they're so compact and you can get a very early season of tomatoes, a very early picking of tomatoes. Last year I picked my first red tomatoes in here from these Lizetto dwarf plants on the 2nd of June which for me is pretty good going so I'm hoping to be pretty much on track with something like that again this year I've got some aubergines that I've picked out and some chilies Uh, I've got one called devil's brew reggae Um, my aubergines I've got one called jewel marble and black beauty the traditional big black form a chili pepper called sparky what else have I got jalapenos this is another chili hot lemon frigatello which I think I think is a sweet long pepper yes yeah uh, Hungarian wax, which is one of my go-to chilies because it's not too hot, but it's a lovely fleshy chili. And red cherry, which I do like to stuff with a a nice cool cream cheese. Oh, and some habaneros just to liven things up, because <laughs> we do like a nice hot chili every now and then, don't we? I cooked a curry last night, and I call the call the eating of it chili roulette, because I put in all sorts of diced chilies in quite decent sized chunks, and I put them in at the end of the cooking, so the the heat of the curry sauce is quite mild but the actual chili peppers have still got lots of bite to them and one of the last mouthfuls my poor husband I think he must have had one of the habaneros because he got a little bit tight in the throat shall we say and his eyes watered ever so slightly so uh yeah I do love my chili peppers I've also got things in here like lettuce American land crisps, winter purslane summer purslane coriander got some turnips so sir- oh I've got some calabrese some some summer cabbage uh so these are all hardy crops basically what i'm describing at the moment they're ones that i sowed way back in february or march the spinach has been transplanted out into the garden and the broad beans but everything else for the moment is still in the greenhouse because of this cold snap but ultimately they'll be going outside um under cloches or potted up to be grown on in here to full size very very soon i'm very excited about my strawberries my strawberries last year were one year old runners that I potted up and grew on, grew t- 12 different varieties. This year, it's their second year, and oh my god, they are smothered in flowers. I'm very excited. In particular, I've got three in here I've got one called Vibrant, one called Christine, and one called Corona. These are all early strawberries. So they're grown in troughs, about a metre long troughs, I've got six plants in each. And what I've done oh, way back, a good month ago now, I bought them in here to force them on because all these uh, early varieties are genetically predispositioned to want to flower early anyhow. So I've just hastened up the uh, the time frame a little bit by moving them under glass. It's not heated in here, apart from the propagators, it's all a cold greenhouse. But they are now flowering their socks off. And the size of the flowers is phenomenal. The number is great. I have to hand pollinate them because strawberries are, although they're a self-fertile plant, you do need to dislodge the pollen from the male flower parts to the female uh, in order to get a a fruit, but also a, a regularly swollen fruit. If they aren't pollinated properly, you get these misshapen fruits and they're all lumpy, bumpy things. So I'm coming over here, running my hands over my strawberries, caressing them. Uh, I hope no again I hope the neighbours don't see me do this kind of stuff but if they do and if you're listening and that's what I'm doing <laughs> so um, I've got some chervil in here and some basil that I grew as micro leaves now I sowed these back in mid February they're not really micro leaves anymore they're they're so abundant they've become macro leaves they're really big uh, especially the chervil my god it's romped away uh, this is chervil something I've not grown before I've eaten it never grown it It germinated like mustard and cress. It was fantastic. I would definitely be growing chervil again. The flavour of it is something between dill and tarragon. It's that kind of aniseedy, lemony, lovely, lush green um, leaf. It's very, very nice. My basil I cut a couple of days ago. I had my parents come round for mothering Sunday and my mother-in-law. And we had a fish platter from Mersey. We're just down the road from Mersey, uh, which is a lovely little fishing area fish platter and I did a salad with some tomatoes sadly shop bought tomatoes but the basil for my dressing was from my micro leaves in my greenhouse so that's my tiny little claim to victory um for homegrown crops being used in the garden in 2022 we're already doing it I've got some carrots in the box I also sow carrots in the wine box uh, an early variety like Amsterdam forcing I think these are nonce yeah nonce five uh, they were sown way back in Again, I had obviously had a sewing fren- frenzy mid-February. Uh, they're now standing a good, a good 10 centimetres tall. And you can see the taproot is you know, starting to, to develop. And they are going to give you pullings probably in late May, early June. Carrots do take a long time to bulk up, even these very early sowings. But they are worth it, the little baby finger-sized carrots. I've got some dahlias in here. I'm not going to just talk about my edibles. So I've got some dahlias. I know you can eat dahlias, but these are going to be for the flowers. I'm gonna, I've got an allotment literally just over the fence line we're very lucky to be placed so close to the allotments here uh, in the village so dailies are going to go on the allotment as a cut flower i've got some sweet peas uh, which i sowed back in october they're desperate to go out but i'm holding on i've planted them out at the hall but the ones here at home the ground's not quite ready for them so i'm just holding them back for the moment yeah i've got some potatoes to plant i've we've planted on the allotment our earlies and even our main crops the other weekend so they went in in middle of March I have got 10 tubers of Charlotte and also of Juliet which are my kind of salad potatoes so we've manured the ground for the vegetable garden uh, here got a long narrow bed where these potatoes are going to go these 20 tubers and that'll be one of the jobs for maybe uh, early next week when things are not quite so chilly now I've talked a lot about what's on top of the staging in front of me I've got this lovely timber staging that Ian my husband made for me Last, this time last year. So underneath the staging at the moment, I've got all my tender goodies. I've got various um, gingers and brigmansias from a certain Mr Walker. I've got some tender persicarias, eucomis, uh, some tomatillos. Oh well, yeah, all sorts of delights under here. They're still very much in the dormant stage. I haven't been watering them too much because it's been cold. And as I say, this greenhouse is unheated. I will be giving them a liquid feed in the water very soon in order to bring them into life. Right, let's leave the greenhouse. I'm getting a bit warm in the coat. I've just got a couple of minutes left to talk to you about other things that I've got out here. So I talked very early on in the podcast about the sunny, lovely sunny side of the garden. Although it's not sunny today, so, <laughs> you know, that can't be helped. I'm going to go on to the shady side again, which, and that's where I have my brassica bed. Um, and again when I say shady you know this is it's an open site so it does get some sun but it doesn't get the great amount of sun that the south and west facing beds and walls do so for the half of the day it gets sun and then the other half of the day it's in more shade so this is great for things that require a a cool root run so my celery celeriac will go over here uh the brassicas they're very happy because they're leafy i grow lots of kale Lots of um, cabbages, love a savoy cabbage. They'll all go in this area. I will manure it and add nitrogen because brassicas do love a little bit of nitrogen. So that will feed them and keep them going. Brassicas are in the ground for a very long time, these winter forms. Uh, you sow them in April, plant them out in June and then they'll start cropping for you from autumn through right through the winter and into early spring. So they need a long growing season, lots of sustenance to their roots and as I say, a nice cool moist root system as well i've also got my american land crest over here which i planted out in the autumn of last year it's now just running up to flower and i've left it it's beautiful it's got lovely little yellow flowers on it it's oh it's just a pretty thing it's a little bit like a yellow cow parsley and the leaves are very finely dissected as well so that's nice and amongst there i've got some self-sewn foxgloves uh my currants are here my as i say, i mentioned i've got a black currant on the other side of the greenhouse on the shady wall On this side here, I've got two red currants, which I'm fan training out. They're already flowering. So again, what do I do with the flowers tonight? (laughs) I will keep you posted. Um, Yeah, anything like a currant or a gooseberry, if they're sour fruits, bear in mind that they don't require a huge amount of sunlight. They're quite tart and sour by their nature. So therefore, they can tolerate a more shady site. The rhubarb, I'm just looking at the two forcing pots here. Let's lift the lid up and see what I can find so anything growing through, I've already had one pulling. Oh yeah, whoa, look at that, beautiful. Mm, coming to a rhubarb crumble near me very, very soon. Okay, well that's a very quick tour of my fruit and vegetable garden at home here. We'll be revisiting these areas as the summer goes on and I can keep you updated on the progress. And I'll put some pictures up on social media about the things I'm talking about so you can see for yourself or i will try and paint a picture with my words as best I can hopefully well very much hopefully Saul will be back on track for a podcast with me next week but in the meantime thank you so much for listening and have a great week in your garden with today's podcast at an end we hope we've given you a glimpse into our respective gardening lives Spring is such an incredibly crucial time in the garden, so stick with us over the coming episodes as we guide you through the key tasks of the season. Whether it's propagating seeds, planting up borders, thwarting weeds or wielding those secateurs, we'll ensure your gardening season remains on track with our guidance and encouragement.
0: And if you've enjoyed listening to us, we'd love you to leave a review via your preferred podcast provider or on one of our social media platforms – Interact with us via our Twitter accounts, at Gardening Saul and at Head LC. Lucy is also over on Instagram, again, Head LC. If you feel so inclined, you can even support us at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingheads. Your support would mean so much to both of us.
1: Spring offers some of the most exciting transformations. Within weeks, the muted landscape around us will become ever greener and more floriferous. We are in for an utter treat. So,
0: until the next episode of Talking Heads,
1: goodbye!